You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. Your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's one of the greatest challenges of the Christian life. To live on earth and yet keep your mind and heart in the clouds. One of the hardest things to do as a believer in Christ is to live on earth but be heaven-minded. In today's message, Pastor Danny will expand on what it means to be heaven-minded. As you grow in your relationship with the Lord, your life should begin to look more like Christ. And when you're made new in Him, you're able to set your mind on the things above. You're able to think on things that are lasting and good and holy. If you're wrestling with this, be encouraged. God is a God of grace. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Acts, chapter 28, as he begins his message, The Coming Kingdom. had our focus the last several weeks on the kingdom of God. Uh, We were catapulted into that from Acts 28, two verses, which I won't go back and read today because we read them several times, related to the kingdom of God, Acts 28, verses 23 and 31. We've looked at uh, over the last several weeks what the kingdom of God is, where the kingdom of God is. We know the kingdom of God is up. Now, we know the kingdom dwells in us, and we are representatives of the kingdom here, but Technically, the kingdom is where Jesus is. It's where God reigns supreme and Christ is king. Paul the apostle said he was caught up to the third heaven. That's where the kingdom is. Paradise. So we know the kingdom is paradise. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. In paradise. We looked at what the kingdom is, where the kingdom is. Uh, We've looked at worship and the kingdom. I titled that worship worthy of the kingdom. We looked at parables related to the kingdom from Matthew 13. I think there's only three more subjects I feel led to deal with on the kingdom. Then we're going to go to the gospel of Mark. But the three I want to deal with is conflict in the kingdom of God, not today, but soon. Characteristics of the coming kingdom and lifestyle worthy of the kingdom. That's what I was working on until Friday around noon. I had six tight pages Friday around noon on the subject related to the kingdom of worship or lifestyle worthy of the kingdom. And then as I went away and took a break, God seemed to impress on me that before you do that message, it would be more appropriate to talk about in more detail characteristics of the kingdom. Why? 
For the same reason that God led the Holy Spirit in letters like the Ephesian letter, the letter to the Ephesians, the book of Ephesians in our Bible. First three chapters of Ephesians deal with doctrine, especially things like God in his mercy, how he's made us a part of his kingdom. All right, and he's forgiven us, and by grace are we saved through faith. Three chapters dealing with doctrine. The last three chapters deal with practical living. Other books of the Bible do the same thing. Romans does that. Deals with our sin, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. Gives Abraham as an example, finding that gift. David as an example. Blessed are those who sin, the Lord will never count against them. And then you go into the last part of Romans, and for the most part, it deals with practical living. And so before we deal with lifestyle worthy of the kingdom, I think a lifestyle worthy of the kingdom is easier to live and you're more motivated and I'm more motivated to live a lifestyle worthy of the kingdom if I am better appreciating what I have as being a citizen of the kingdom. And we talked about it a little bit in the first message on the kingdom, but we want to dive in. So characteristics of the kingdom. Note I started this one at 2 p.m. on Friday, having shelved lifestyle worthy of the kingdom. It's been a busy weekend. The kingdom is paradise. I pray this prayer, especially for new believers, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the glorious inheritance, old NIV, the saints, new NIV, riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. I wish I could just somehow wave a spiritual wand and everybody really get the reality that what we're talking about here is not Disney World. This is not pie in the sky. This is a real place in the sky. This is a real place in the third heaven. That the kingdom is a real place with a real king. He is king of kings and lord of lords. There are real people there. And for us to be able to really grasp the truth that there really is a kingdom. It's a real kingdom. And we really, if we know Christ, are part of that kingdom. Jesus will say to believers at the end of this world as we know it, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Paul writes in Colossians, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you by the sacrifice of Jesus to share in the inheritance of his holy people, in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now let me read you from Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. Your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's one of the greatest challenges of the Christian life. To live on earth and yet Keep your mind and heart in the clouds. That's why it helps me every morning to pray the Lord's Prayer. I recommend it to you. Our Father who art in heaven, already you're thinking about heaven. Thy kingdom come. 
Already you're thinking about the kingdom. Thy will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. I try to pray that every morning. Our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Because you see, we live on earth and I have responsibilities on earth and I enjoy things on earth. A lot of things I don't enjoy on earth. But a lot of things I do enjoy. I enjoyed vacation recently. We went to Colorado, went snow skiing. Lord willing, we're going back in March. Anything wrong with that? Not unless I'm disobedient to the Lord. Not unless I'm spending money I shouldn't be spending, that kind of thing. You know, those are issues I have to deal with between me and the Lord. Other things I enjoy, things you enjoy, things we don't enjoy. We have responsibilities. I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a pastor. And the challenge is to live this life without becoming engrossed in the things of this life. That's the challenge. Now, the kingdom of God, real place, real place, is one day coming to earth. The initial coming of the kingdom to earth is called the thousand-year reign or the millennial reign of Christ. We read about it in Revelation chapter 20. When Christ comes... He's going to set up his kingdom, rule and reign for a thousand years, and you and I will reign with him. Questions that came up last night after the message, and I'm going to try to preclude any questions related to what I got last night. Uh, One was a leader from our church and said, I thought that the martyrs in Revelation, they actually get resurrected first, and they go through the thousand-year reign, and then the rest of us get resurrected later. And I'm like, I don't know of a scripture that says that. As a matter of fact, it says the opposite. Because here in Revelation 20... Blessed are those who take part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. I know of no scripture that suggests only part of believers are resurrected and reign with Christ for a thousand years. All the believers are resurrected and reign with Christ. Another question was, are we in our new bodies? I know of no scripture that suggests otherwise. Scripture suggests that we are in our new bodies. Otherwise, we could die. We could be injured. We could be uh, injured by those who will be rebels in that day, and we know they'll be rebels. So we're all resurrected. Otherwise, you've got to have three resurrections. If only part of the believers are resurrected, blessed are those who take part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. Second death comes after the second resurrection when all unbelievers stand before what's called the great white throne judgment. So if only part of the believers are resurrected and go through the millennial kingdom, then you've got to have three resurrections. There's no scripture related to that. As a matter of fact, it says the opposite. We're all resurrected. We're all in our new bodies. And we rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. That's clear to me. Unbelievers who survive the great tribulation will populate the earth. Now, my wife, I, you know, I don't know. I haven't talked to her recently about this, even though she was in the last service and I called her out on it. And uh, she hid she believes that only believers, and there are some people that believe only believers go into the millennial reign, the thousand-year reign. I don't know why you would believe that. Somebody came up last night and said, I read a book by David Jeremiah, and he's certainly a knowledgeable man, pastor, and a great writer and preacher, uh, much more than me, but I still don't understand how he could believe that, if he does believe that. Because Daniel chapter 7, verse 12, I cut out some things from the message last night because I got in too much of a hurry, had too much material to cover, still have too much material, but since I cut some things out, I'm going to read you, uh, because I think this is important, Daniel chapter 7 and verse 12. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. The beast, now this is not debatable from scripture. The beast clearly from other scriptures, many scriptures, are the nations 
that are ruling during the tribulation period. Ultimately, the Antichrist rules over the world in that day, and yet there are identifiable nations. These beasts are the nations. So the beasts were stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. Very next verse in the whole context is the second coming of Christ. Son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So at the second coming of Christ, the beast, the nations that survive the tribulation period. And Revelation, if you do the math, about 50% of the population in that day survives. Now, 50% perishes, and that's, it's worse than the Holocaust for sure. But 50% survives. And they go into the thousand-year reign. And that's who we rule and reign over, unbelievers. They will procreate. They will have children. They will marry. That's clear to me from the scriptures. Christ rules in that day with a rod of iron. Many scriptures point that out. There'll be peace among the animal kingdom. Isaiah chapter 11, the wolf lie down with the lamb. Uh, animals will eat straw. They won't be carnivorous anymore. Thank God for that. They won't be eating you and me. Well, we're in our new body, so we can't die anyway, but they won't be eating people or each other, all right? No more walls in that day at Bush Gardens. Can't wait for that. Hang out with the elephants and the lions. says that a, an infant will play near the hole of a cobra, and they will neither harm nor destroy in all my holy mountain, God talking. And the holy mountain is not just Jerusalem, it's the world. Jesus will be king of kings and lord of lords over the world. People will live longer. These are unbelievers, and they may become believers, if I understand it correctly. They may become believers, but they're still in their mortal bodies. He who dies at 100 will be considered accursed because of the way that Jesus is improving everything about the earth. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He's improving things, and it goes on for a 1,000 years. People will live longer just because of the improvement Jesus is bringing about to the world. And then we go from the 1,000-year reign into the eternal kingdom. I mean, just this next set of verses alone, you could just chew on this. Revelation 21. Then I saw new heaven. New earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. doesn't say there's no water. We know from the next chapter there's water. We know in the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year reign, saltwater fish will dwell in fresh water. Fellas, fishing buddy. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he'll dwell with them. They'll be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Have you ever stopped to just chew on this truth from that passage? There'll be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. This world's not our home. I think one of the reasons we still have issues and problems, and one of the reasons that God doesn't heal everybody, including Christians, he wants us to stay hungry 
for a world to come and not get bogged down and engrossed in the things of this world. I got a letter last week from Bill, a few of us that go way back in the fellowship. We played flag football together for 10 years before we got old. And ultimately, we had a pretty good team. At first, we were awful. Got a new quarterback named Bill. He played with us for years, and Bill got in some trouble. He wasn't a Christian. Went to jail. I visited him in jail. On one of those visits, Bill shared with me, as I had also shared with him about Christ. And he'd shared how he'd given his life to Jesus. And he said, Danny... I'm really thankful I went to jail because if I had not gone to jail, I may never have come to know Jesus. Barring a miracle, Bill will die in prison. But he writes me regularly. Got a chance with our softball team to visit and play softball with Bill a few years ago. It was a treat. This is a letter just from last week. I'll tell you how he opened it. He opened it the way he always opens his letters. You know how he opens his letters? Here it is. Dear Wendy and Danny and family, greetings in our Lord and Savior's name. He's worthy to be praised. He closed it this way, as is common. I long for the second coming of our Lord. I'll walk the gold streets with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, come quickly. Exclamation point. Bill's in prison. He'll probably die in prison if Jesus tarries, but he's free. He's free. And he's longing for the day, and it's going to come when there will be no prison for Bill because he's a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Got a text from a college buddy last week. We just reconnected a few weeks ago through email and Facebook. And he texted me last week. He said, would you put on the church prayer list our daughter, Allison? She's 23 years old. She had a stroke. 23 years old. 23 years old. There's coming a day. Anybody cry last week and not out of joy? Anybody cry last week and not out of joy? Anybody feeling pain in any way right now? I hope it's not because of me. (laughs) Anybody feel pain the last week? The last month? Had some jokesters last night. I said, anybody never felt pain? And a couple of jokesters in the back raised their hand. I sent two ushers and beat them up. So they could understand pain. (laughs) If you're new with us, that was a joke. (laughs) Some of the stuff, you heard all this stuff before. A lot of you have heard this stuff before. I got nothing new, really. But we're going to get new bodies. I've been looking at some of you for a long time from this angle. (laughs) And you're saying we've been looking at you, too. (laughs) You don't look the way you used to. The feeling is mutual. <laughs> We're going to get new bodies. I mean, you just can't read. You can't read 1 Corinthians 15 and not get excited. If you don't get excited, you're not excitable. You're dead. <laughs> Verse 35, someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? I'm foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you don't plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh. Animals have another. Birds have another. Fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is of one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor. The moon another. Stars another. Star differs from star in splendor. 
So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It's raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters... The flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. Have you ever stopped and chewed on the truth that we are going to one day be immortal? When the perishable has been clothed, the imperishable and the immortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Now don't get the wrong idea. Spiritual bodies that have physical substance, Jesus being our example, after his resurrection, he had a physical substance. He said, touch and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. Notice he didn't say flesh and blood, because the new body is not powered by blood, but by the Spirit. My understanding is there's not blood in our new body. The Spirit empowers it. Right now, you lose your blood, you're dead. It's a spiritual body. But it has physical substance. I like the statement in verse 37 I just read. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed. Went to Home Depot yesterday. Got some flower seeds. First one I picked out. It's called a zinnia. I opened it up. I looked at these little seeds. They're just, they're not very impressive, and they're just so small. They're really kind of seemingly insignificant. You know what they produce? They produce a zinnia. These little insignificant seeming seeds, that's what they produce. And then some others really caught my attention. All of them, while different colors, these are morning glories. I bet you never know why I picked them, especially morning glories. And the seeds, similar to the zinnia. You look at them and you go, really? Now I know. I don't look like I used to look. I know I'm starting to look like some of those bulbs. And if I live long enough, I'm going to shrivel and get, you're just going to go, well, he's old. And so this is the body that's planted, but this is not the body. In the eternal kingdom, there's no sin. Each one of these points, if you just dwell on any one of these points, it'd blow your mind. No sin. Revelation 21 says there's nothing impure that will enter. Nothing impure. Not only that, Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about the struggle he has. And as much as he loved the Lord, he said, who will deliver me from this body of death? Because when I want to do good, evil's right there with me. And he was always struggling. And he knew he wasn't perfect. One day he will be. 
And if there's no sin, get this. And I make this a separate one. There's no temptation. While Jesus was on earth, he talked a lot about the kingdom of God. But what does this mean for you today? Well, in this series, Pastor Danny looks to scripture to help you further understand what God has in mind for his kingdom. How does it affect you in this moment? What does it mean for you in the future? As you continue to listen to this series, we hope you gain a greater understanding of God's intent for your part in his kingdom. We're thankful that you've chosen to tune in today to The Living Word. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor Danny's messages from this series, visit ccfstpete.church. Feel free to download or share these teachings with others. You can also visit our YouTube channel. You might be interested in looking back at some previous services that are there as well. Subscribing to our YouTube channel will allow you to be notified as soon as we post anything new. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you. Come visit us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship for a time of worship and Bible study. You can find out more by going to our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. If you're unable to join us in person, we offer a live stream of our weekend services. Just visit our website and click the link in the menu. Thanks so much for tuning in today to hear from Pastor Danny right here on The Living Word.